so excited to be here today as a, uh, a facilitator and a representative of this ministry that we are launching to Hallmark. It's called Regeneration, and I, I can't wait to tell you about it. If I get, um, <clears throat> it's already started. Here we go. <clears throat> if I get, um, if I get uh, a little emotional, it's not because I'm sad. I'm happy. I'm happy. You see, uh, as you'll learn about me uh, as I share today, I've had years of strongholds that the enemy has had in my heart, years of agreements that don't line up with what God has said about me. And I'm in a season of life where God has broken those. And so today when I share, it's not, if I get emotional, it's not because I'm sad, friends, it's because I'm happy. I'm free. Far from perfect. Let me add that caveat in there. Far from perfect, but I'm, I'm free. And uh, that, that'll bring a, a grown man to tears. When you realize that that stuff that I believed, that stuff that hurt me, that stuff that kept me ashamed, alone, isolated, afraid, that that stuff no longer has power over me. You see, that'll bring a person to tears. So regeneration is a new ministry. Um, some call it a recovery ministry. I call it a recovery discipleship ministry. Basically, it's structured in 12 steps or 12 biblical foundations to help people walk in the light. I know the word recovery has... Uh, is going to mean different things to different people. At the end of the day, we're all recovering from sin. Period. Say, 12 steps are, are not for me. Uh, okay. All it is, is getting people together. And instead of trying to handle our brokenness and our pain and all of that alone, we come together and we lean on Christ and help one another. That's the biblical model for walking in the light. And that's what Regen is. So let me teach you the Regen greeting, okay? And uh, let's practice real quick. On the count of three, I want you to say, hi, Chris. One, two, three. Okay, you've got what it takes then to participate in this Regen greeting. Okay? This is how we introduce ourselves, and the order in which we introduce ourselves is very important, and it goes like this. Hi, my name is Chris. I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery for fear of rejection, anxiety, and overeating. You had one job. <laughs> you had one job. Notice the order in which we introduce ourselves. The first truth that we proclaim is that we have a new life in Christ. We are not defined by the struggle. We're not defined by the sin. We're defined by our new life in Christ. And then, in an exercise of humility, in an exercise of walking in biblical confession, in an exercise of, let's be honest, breaking the ice, 
we go ahead and identify where is God working in our life right now? What areas is God healing in us right now? And you'll notice the three that I mentioned. A fear of rejection, anxiety, and a symptom of those things, overeating. These are the strongholds that have defined my life for a long time. Now, does that mean that I wasn't pursuing God? No. Did it mean that I wasn't faithful in church? No. What it did mean, though, is that there, was, there were some wounds, some distorted views, some agreements that were alive and well in my life that the enemy was exploiting. And by God's grace, and let me say that, by God's grace, it's not because of a program, it's not because of another, uh, uh, another person, some dynamic individual, it is because of God's grace. His amazing grace like we sang about. It's because of his amazing grace that I'm walking in freedom today. What we want to do over the next four weeks as we introduce this regeneration ministry to you, church, is we want to invite you. In March, we're going to launch this. Open it up. We want to invite you over the next four weeks to consider that God wants you to be a part of that. And you say, well, man, you've already got that person in your mind. I really wish they were here. They, they're going to need to hear this. If they were here, this would be the one for them. And I would say just lovingly, brother, sister, resist that urge to put somebody else in, in the regen circle. And just consider that the Lord may want you to be a part of it. My son, uh, for Christmas... Every year, it seems like we get him a costume, some kind of superhero costume. And the most recent one uh, that I remember him getting is, uh, I think it's a Power Ranger costume, the blue one, okay? And one thing about uh, superhero costumes is when my son puts them on, he literally does feel invincible. He's jumping off everything. Everything has a sound effect to it. He has to sprinkle in a karate chop, okay? But when he's got that mask on, right, is it possible, and I think we'd all, if we were being honest, we'd have to agree with this, is it possible that churches all across our country today are full of people wearing masks? We come in, the superhero, I got it all together. You need a karate chop? I got you. I got it all together. I got the solutions. I've got the answers. That's why we kind of gravitate to superheroes, right? Nothing really phases them. And so my son likes to throw on that mask, and I would argue that myself and maybe even you, you came in here today, let me get my checkbox, let me scratch that little, that little itch that I need to kind of do the right thing and be in church. But guys, God wants more for you than that. He has more for you than that. He has freedom and new life in him. For you but you have to be willing to take the mask off and region is one of those environments one of those very precious and rare environments in a church setting where you can take the mask off without being afraid and some of you go Chris you have no idea what I've done Chris you have no idea what was done to me 
You see, Regen isn't just a ministry to recover from sin that you're committing. It's, it's a ministry to recover from sin committed against you. You have no idea the pain that I carry every day. You're right, I don't, but God does. He does. And believe it or not, he does not want you to carry that alone. He wants to heal you from that. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Today we're going to talk about things that some of you believe we should not talk about in church. You can laugh at that. That's okay. Some of you, when I say the word pornography or drug abuse or depression or adultery or same-sex attraction or you fill in the blank, eating disorder, you're going to say, Chris, that's between me and God. I'll deal with that in private. And I would say, find me a verse in Scripture that says that that is the best way to go about things. Find me one. Now, I love you. I'm not trying to be combative. But God's model for us to have freedom is not to do it alone. It's not to do it by ourselves. And worse, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. How many of us in here... Don't raise your hand. <laughs> How many of us are deceived today? Like we literally think we've already arrived. We have nothing that needs work. There's no more progress in Christ. We've already reached the finish line and everything from here on to heaven is just gravy on the biscuit. Right? <laughs> Come on now. The scriptures tell us that if we think that way, we've deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. We all know when we look in the mirror, there are things in our life that we haven't given the Lord complete access to. Maybe today, you came in here today and something for years has been hurting you. Listen, I want you to understand, if you've been praying, God, help me, God, heal me, God, I need your help, would you please just dare to hope that today he's answering your prayer? Amen. Would you please just let a little bit of his, his light flood into your heart today and just consider that maybe today the lifeline is being thrown out. One of the things we strive for here is that this church will be a place where you feel like you can belong. No matter your past, no matter your mess, no matter your color, no matter your financial situation, no matter what. We don't want this church to be just a hangout for the holy, right? but a hospital for the hurting. The most interesting thing that I find in, in Scripture about religious people is that they were always mad at Jesus. Isn't that funny? 
I'll take a little liberty here, but the church people in Jesus' time were the ones that were the most angry at him. Now, why is that? Well, it's because he was always hanging out with sinners. He's always hanging out with messed up people, hurting people. Why are you having dinner with them? Do you know what they do? Well, yes, I'm God. In fact, I do know what they do. What I'm doing is is revealing the glory of God. I'm revealing the heart of God. So think about that for just a moment. Our enemy wants to tell us God wants nothing to do with your mess. He wants nothing to do with the hurting. He's only interested in the professional church people. But yet God in in body, in Jesus, Emmanuel, what does he show us? The exact opposite heart of God. I want everything to do with your mess. I want everything to do with the hurting and the broken. What agreements, when I say agreement, please understand what I mean by this. An agreement is something that you believe that it's distorting the heart of God in your life. I'll give you a personal example in my life. When I was three years old, my parents divorced, and my biological father was not involved in my life. And even there as a young boy, right, when, when everything is so impressionable, when everything is being formed in your view of yourself and the world and God, and that's all being sewn together in your heart, The fact that my father was not involved in my life, an agreement was developed of an absentee father. And then here I come to church, and I start learning about God our Father, and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that I'm saved, that he's alive, that I'm going to heaven when I die. Praise God. And I start to learn more about Scripture and study the Bible and surrender to go into full-time ministry. And I go to Bible college and I continue to learn about Him and I serve in churches all over the country. I even serve as a missionary in Europe. All the while believing. Yes, God is interested in saving my soul, but when it comes to being my father on a day-to-day basis, I can't trust him. He's not there. You see, that is a distorted agreement that distorted the heart of God in my heart. Do you understand? So ask yourself today, what agreements do I have? And if you say, Chris, something's off, I don't know why, I don't know what the agreements are, then as soon as we're done here today, please walk out there, sign up for Regen, and we'll help you find out. Turn to 1 John, chapter 1, we'll start in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now pay attention here, guys. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Two huge truths that we see in these verses. In verse 7, we are to walk in the light. Number one, when we choose to walk in confession, we experience community. So think about for a moment. When I say confession, for those of you um, from a Catholic background, I do not mean that somehow this confession is going to save you. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying that confession is one of the vehicles that God uses to heal you. You understand? It's Jesus and what he did on the cross for us is what saves us. But confession is how we walk in the freedom that he bought for us on the cross. And the opposite is also true. When we choose to live a life where there is no confession, we live in bondage. Regen is, is, is an environment where men sit down together and women sit down together. And like they said on that video, by the way, I'm so thankful for those courageous brothers and sisters in Christ that it takes a big step of faith to, get, to know I'm going to make this video and on Sunday all my business is going to be out there. Okay? <laughs> There's nowhere to hide anymore. No fig leaf here. It's all there. It takes a step of faith. So those brothers and sisters that took that step of faith, do you know why they did that? Out of obedience to the Lord and for love of their church. You see, because they believe, they have, the, they, they have the audacity to hope that maybe someone will identify with their story and find the freedom that God has given them. Confession is so important, and you'll notice that when you confess and you feel safe to confess and you know that your business isn't going to leave the circle, yes, we practice strict confidentiality in region circles. The only time we'll break confidentiality is if someone's, if, if you're going to harm yourself or you say you're going to harm someone else. And then be ready for a suplex. Okay? That's the only time that we'll break confidentiality. So you can share in safety. Chris, the thing that I have in my heart, I've never shared with anybody. Aren't you tired of that? Has keeping that secret not worn you out? Chris, if I share it, it could ruin my marriage. I could get fired. My kids may never talk to me again. You have no idea the cost. You know the cost of keeping the secret, though, don't you? You know the cost of trying to bear that. Aren't you tired? Don't you want what God has done for you? Don't you want to walk in freedom 
and abundance and new life? There's a bond that happens too. When you share in a region circle and you confess what's going on in your life, you confess your struggles, the bond that takes place is unlike any other. Because it, do, it does, it's a step of courage. It, it, takes, it takes faith. And when those people don't let you down, and to date, for a year, I've been sitting in a region circle. For a year, and not once has what I've shared in that circle ended up on Facebook or come back to me through somebody else. Not once has, has my confidentiality been broken. Not once. So for a year, we have been practicing what's called a pilot. This ministry region started with a church called Watermark a little over a decade ago. And we started uh, about a year ago um, just meeting on Wednesday nights, doing what's called a pilot, just basically region with training wheels, okay? And for a year, what God has been doing in these folks' lives is just preparing, getting the soil ready, healing people, people getting freedom, getting stronger. And folks, when we launch in March, if, they're, if you're saying, man, it would, it would be awesome to be fully known, confession, and fully accepted, loved. If you're saying, oh, I wish I could have that, you can. You can. The second truth that we get from this passage is that when we choose to walk in confession, we experience cleansing. I don't want you to raise your hand, but some of you walked in here today just feeling dirty, feeling like trash. There's no way God could love me. There's no way that he could heal me lovingly. That is the exact opposite of the truth. You see, when we come and we confess, God is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is a promise that is ours in Christ. A hundred percent. You can bank on the fact that the thing that you feel worst about, God can heal you. The thing that hurts you the most, God can heal you. The thing for which you feel most ashamed, God can heal you. Mm, this is good news. Turn to Luke 18. Luke 18. Now this is where we see some church people getting mad at Jesus. Okay? Okay? All right, we'll start in verse 9, okay? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Full stop. I know that throughout history, church people have never struggled with treating others with contempt. Okay, that's me being sarcastic. That's me joking. How many of you would say... 
I don't want you to point at anyone, but how many of you would say you've been hurt by a church person before? Raise them high. Look around, please. Look around, everybody. We're guilty of friendly fire a lot. We treat our own sometimes with contempt. And then those that God wants to rescue that are far from Him, we treat them with even more contempt. I cannot believe those people are doing that. God knows, and do you know He's still interested in saving, seeking and saving those that are lost? Mm. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. I do want to say, and I mean this genuinely, um, I'm proud because I, I wholeheartedly believe that the spirit of our church is not that spirit. The spirit of, of Hallmark Baptist Church is not one of contempt for the hurting, the broken, and the sinful. And that, folks, is a gift. That we are not known so much for what we're against, but who we are for. Two men went up, here's the parable, guys. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. That sounds like a Johnny Cash song. This is a good verse of scripture. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, so this would be, this would be the pariah in society, right? But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus is saying this, I tell you, this man went, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Go straight to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. Start verse 14. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Folks, take that parable in this scripture in Isaiah 57. We see, yes, our God is holy. He dwells in the high and holy place, and he tells us, with the humble and broken, the contrite of spirit. How many of us are stuck in the middle? 
God is not in the middle. He is high and holy. He is perfect. But he dwells with the contrite, the lowly, the broken, the hurting. Those who know they are sick and want to be healthy. Those who know they are broken and know that they cannot heal themselves. If we say that it is only God who can save our soul for eternity, why would we believe it is up to us to fix ourselves here on earth? Why would we believe that if only He can accomplish saving our soul, that now He's just dumped it on us to sanctify and heal us? Are you contrite this morning? Are you lowly? Are you humble? Or is there a hardness in your heart? Is there an attitude or an ego in your heart, brother or sister? I don't need help. That is none of your business. I'll figure it out on my own. And how dare you tell me that I need to depend on somebody else? I'm not far off the mark from a common church attitude. Jesus gave us a parable about it. Okay? He dwells on high because he is holy. He dwells with the broken because he is love. How many unhealed wounds in our hearts are distorting the true heart of God in our life? So at this time, I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to have a preacher come up. You grab the mic. It's up here. I'll give him a little head start here. It's on the front row. You can, he goes by preacher, Pastor Haley, Mike. At Regen, we call him Mike, which is very weird for me. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, so take this. This is a compliment, okay? But preacher is like the woman at the well to me. Yeah, I'll give you some context real quick. <laughs> so far as I know, you haven't been married five times, but let me... <laughs> now you know why he's in region. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Miss Haley, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's all a joke. It's all a joke. All right. So... Uh, I told you we, we were missionaries in Amsterdam, and we got back about five years ago from the field and started our life over here uh, stateside, and that experience, we were uh, pretty banged up and beat up people, and as I've shared with many of you, we started a business in Missouri when we got back that, that did well, and then it didn't, and that was another very painful chapter of our life, and then we came back to Texas where I was born and raised, and back to Hallmark. And uh, I, was in, I was in bad shape. Had a lot of pain in, in my life, a lot of hurt that I was still holding on to. And by God's grace, okay, by God's grace, preacher says, you need to come to Regen at Watermark. 
Just like to come and see what God has done in my life. Right? Just like the woman at the well. Come on. Come, come see what God has done in my life. And I put him off for months. Months. I'd dodge him. I'd see him coming down the deal and I would, right? It's like a hard pass to the left. I would dodge him and dodge him and dodge him. And then finally, I agreed to go. My anxiety was flaring off the charts. Overeating as a symptom of my sin and my hurt was just out of control. And I knew it's like, okay, well, I can't maintain this path. This isn't working out. So I agreed to go, and the first night sitting in that circle, as all the men began to open up, uh, just, it was like this pressure release. It was just, and I knew. And I knew God had me right where I wanted to, right where he wanted me to be. But, Preacher's going to come and share uh, what God has done in his life through Regents. So please give him a round of applause. Thank you, Chris. Uh, and good morning, Hallmark. Uh, when you finish the 12 steps of Regen, um, you write a testimony. So uh, then you're supposed to give it in a certain time limit. So. That's my responsibility at this point. It's always dangerous to give a retired pastor a microphone. <laughs> but, so that's why I got it written out. So I'll give you the, uh, the uh, normal introductory that remarks like that Chris did. Hi, my name is Mike. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm in recovery for anxiety, depression, and control, and codependency. I came to regeneration at Walmart Church. Uh, Walmart Church. Can you, did you hear that? I love it. I just love that. Doesn't God have a sense of humor? And I'm the woman at the well? Okay. That's, that's, I've never been introduced that way. Thanks, Chris. I came to regeneration at Watermark Church in August of 2018. Uh, three and a half years ago <clears throat> by the invitation of one of our, de our deacons here at Hallmark Baptist Church. And I find that uh, I went there uh, to help someone else. I brought them. But the very first night, I realized that I was desperate and hopeless and uh, feeling as if I was headed for depression again. It was there that I found hope in the Lord. I began to pray the serenity prayer every day. God, give us the grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, the courage to change the things that should be changed, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did this sinful world, not uh, as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. So I went to groundwork. That's the kind of preliminary work you do before you get in a step group. For a number of months, seeing men in that circle uh, who made life-changing decisions, they, they began to openly share their struggles. I heard testimonies every Monday night. 
those who had commenced uh, the 12 steps and they gave their testimony and I saw so many who have been bound and uh, broken by relationships and addictions and patterns of sin. They've been long enslaved and I realized they had found freedom and I was in a good place. So I began to examine my life and my sin of worry and fear and taking control and my own desires. I began to admit that I was powerless to overcome my own patterns of fear and worry and control. And I came to believe that God was the only one who could heal my brokenness and uh, the brokenness of others. Over the years, I'd carried the burdens of my family and of many others in our ministry and developed kind of a pride in seeing others hear my words and hear my preaching and they would find help and hope and a new beginning and I began then to confess my own pride and control issues to God and to myself and to others in the group. It was so good to finally openly confess to be known as just another guy who struggled with sin and a human nature that was prone to hide and run from struggles. I decided to trust God fully with my life and my will and began to trust God with my own recovery and for the solutions of others that I had carried for many years. I began the process of recovery and fully giving Him control. Step seven is we humbly ask God to change our hearts and minds in order to fully, fully follow Christ. You see, I had been replacing the one and only one who could really provide help for me and others with myself. It was not in my power to change me or anyone else. Only God can do that. I must face each day dying to self, daily relying on God to do what only He can do. So I began to give God the very best part of my day every morning to pray, study, worship, and Meditate on the scriptures like Galatians 2.20, I am crucified, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He spoke to me early in life. I trusted Christ as my Savior. As a teenager, he called me into full-time ministry, and I have had, I've had a blessed life. I've enjoyed being a part of this church for now 28 years, and I'm so thankful I, I still get to be a part of it. But slowly I took control, led to fears of failure, worry, that I could not find the solution for others, and especially those in my own family. But I am learning again that God is truly able to handle all things. He's truly in charge. God is God, and I am not. I'm his follower. I continue to let him examine my life and search my heart to lead me to confess when I worry, when I take back control, when I give in to my own desires, I promptly confess and turn to walk with Christ. I'm still a work in progress, and God is not finished with molding me yet. The troubles of life still come. And the solutions of the problems of those I love are still yet in the future. But I have found peace, knowing that God is at work even when I can't feel it. God is still at work when I can't see it. God still loves me and is working in me and through me. 
He says to me, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight. I have found a new joy in openly sharing my struggles with our men's circle here at Hallmark in our region. This last year, these men have been such a blessing to me. We have been on a wonderful journey. We pray with one another. We confess one to another. We are experiencing a joy of a closer walk with God. And we know that God loves us and is still working in us and around us. I'm so thankful for this discipleship journey. It's a journey of recovery. It's a journey of spiritual growth. My name is Mike. I have a new life in Christ. Thanks for letting me share. I think what's so powerful about um, hearing testimonies is that they're really hard to argue with. My opinions and all of that, my sermon, you can kind of argue with that, but when someone gets up here and says, God has changed my life, it's hard to argue with, isn't it? A changed life, a healed heart. And I do want you to take special note, and I don't say this in any way uh, to uh, you know, glorify preacher or the testimony, but if someone who is in professional ministry for their for their whole career can struggle with these things. It is very possible that the rest of us can as well. Isn't that right? So let's take off the mask. Like we said when we started, Regen is, is based on 12 steps or 12 biblical foundations. I'm gonna quickly give you the first three. And then in the remaining weeks of the series, Pastor John is going to unfold uh, steps four through 12, and we're going to hear more testimonies, and it's just going to be a great series. Step one, admit or dare to face reality. That's hard for some of us, to just admit to God, to ourself, to someone else, that we're not Okay. All right? Now, I'm not going to have you do this. I've seen it done in other churches where at this point in the sermon, they have you turn to your neighbor and look at him and say, Dude, I'm messed up. <laughs> I'm not going to have you do that, but that would be the truth. <laughs> that would be the truth. And guys, the first step to freedom is admitting that we don't have it all together, that we're not perfect. Romans 7, 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, right? For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Step two, believe, dare to hope. We come to believe that there is hope for us through Jesus Christ, Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, 
who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That is God's heart. Did you know that our God is a God of hope? Our God is not a God of depression. Our God is not a God of isolation and anxiety and fear. Our God is a God of hope. Step three, trust. We dare to decide. Some of you came in here today with some stuff, and for years you've been telling yourself tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. Right? I'll get to it, I'll get to it at this next life stage. I'll get to it when... When I get married, I'll get to it when I get out of college. I'll get to it when the kids leave the house. I'll get to it when I retire. I don't know if this is true or not. I haven't personally talked to him, but I've heard it said that the devil's favorite word is tomorrow. We dare to decide, not that we're going to fix ourselves, but we dared to decide to start a process to take one step of faith in the direction of God's healing, of God's restoration, of God's regeneration. But God being rich in mercy, oh, these are beautiful verses, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. As this series continues, and we're going to wrap this up, as this series continues, you're going to be introduced to different people, different themes, different steps or biblical foundations, different scriptures. And when you leave here today, each week of this series, out back, there'll be two tables, and there's a, uh, there'll be pieces of paper that look like this, Okay? And this is called the, the 100 Common Struggles and Personal Assessment. You have things on here like abandonment, abortion, body image, bisexuality, lack of self-worth, unforgiveness, uh, selfishness, PTSD. There's over 100. When I first did this assessment, I identified with approximately 20 of them. What I want you to do is grab this paper and take it home with you. What you'll also find on those tables is a sign-up sheet. Now, understand that if you put your name and email and phone number on that sign-up sheet, you're not agreeing to come participate in Regen when we start in March. What you are agreeing to is to allow me to send you some more information about Regen. That's it. It is a cheap ask. Okay? You're not agreeing to come, right? But I'll send you more information. What we can do in that exchange, as I send you more information, you can ask me questions. Chris, what about this? What about this? And the dialogue can begin. Okay? That's all that you're agreeing to. But please take this home and spend some time with it and be honest with yourself and with the Lord. And if you feel led, be honest with another person that you trust about what's on this piece of paper. And then what you want to do is 
That first night of regen, when we start, you bring this with you. And the journey of freedom begins. As the band comes up, I'd like you to consider something. If you've been praying for years that God would make a way, that God would help give you victory over a besetting sin, that a past harm or abuse to you, that you could find freedom and healing from it, that the pain of a broken marriage, a broken relationship, the pain of an abortion, the pain of a past uh, addiction, if you've been praying for years that God would give you freedom from that, please dare to hope that today that journey is beginning for you.